Hi, I'm Angelique Detoy, and I'm delighted that you're joining me on my podcast series for such a time as this. Episode one reminded us all that in God we have a future and great hope. Episode two asks the question, well, what now? What next? Bearing in mind that God created you for such a time as this, you've been equipped and every experience from birth to the present day, whether you know it or not, has prepared you to walk through these chaotic and uncertain times in our world and to emerge in victory. You were born with purpose and to enter this new era with faith, focus and a firm footing. Passivity and having no sense of purpose will never provide the solution for a world in crisis. Reformers reform and recharge the atmosphere. Reformers take what is and reshape, reframe and restructure that which is broken, dysfunctional and in a state of disrepair and restore it to better than it was before. Being born for a time such as this is realizing your purpose, your inherent spiritual and practical gifts, your abilities and skills, and then putting them to excellent use for the master's service. It is making yourself available to stand up and to be counted, not counting the cost, rather foregoing your comforts and your cravings to reach out and make an imprint on this world for the God you serve. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We need to make a decision, just like Moses did, not just to see a burning bush, but to be turned aside and ask why the bush is burning. For those who know their God, they recognize the destiny designed in their DNA to do great works and to influence their families, communities, companies, and some even their nations. So what now? The world is rocking and reeling from a virus called COVID-19. I believe it should be called covert, C-O-V-E-R-T, being secret, hidden, not wanting to be known. Yet it is trying to crown mankind with fear, control, and social distancing. Corona is the Latin word for crown. Yet humankind is created to be crowned with the goodness of God, for connectedness, socializing, togetherness, enjoying friendship, meals around a table, meeting in each other's homes or coffee shops and restaurants. Everything we know to be normal has changed in a matter of weeks. It seems we went to bed in our normal nightly routines and woke up in a world that belonged to another planet. However, it is our world. It is in our time and it is happening on our planet. Many have asked if this is all the work of darkness and some secret conspiracy to control the world. Others have suggested it is the judgment of God on a world gone mad. Some consider it the obvious and likely consequences to delinquent and rebellious behaviour, and yet others think it may be the universe's way of culling the masses. That is all good and well, unless, of course, the masses could perhaps include a member of your own family. We at this time need to look to God for his mercy 
and turn our hearts back to him, regardless of what our opinions may be. Over the past few months, we have seen highly skilled and professional medical people unable to find a cure to this virus. Governments scramble to keep people socially distanced. Markets rise and fall like the Italian Alps as investors respond in fear and try to secure their precious finance. Meanwhile, people are kept from their employment. Salaries and streams of income are narrowed, if not stopped altogether. And millions live in fear of how they will be able to provide for the future. Yet let us be encouraged. This may be the now picture, but there is a what next picture. The what next picture is the solution to a world in crisis. It takes faith over fear, relationship with God over mere religious practice, and trust over trifling with issues that raise more anxiety than they are worth. So what is next? Well, certainly putting first things first. And that is, we need to first seek the kingdom of God. The perfect teaching of Jesus, who viewed life in a simple but powerfully wise way, said this, reading out of the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, out of the Voice Bible. He said, here is the bottom line. Do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't worry about how you clothe your body. Living is about more than merely eating, and the body is about more than dressing up. Look at the birds in the sky. They do not store food for winter. They don't plant gardens. They do not sow or reap. And yet they are always fed because your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are even more precious to him than a beautiful bird. If he looks after them, of course he will look after you. Worrying does not do any good. Who here can claim to add even an hour to his life by worrying? Nor should you worry about clothes. Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They do not work or weave or sew, and yet their garments are stunning. Even King Solomon, dressed in his most royal garb, was not as lovely as these lilies. And think about the grassy fields. The grasses are here now, but they'll be dead by winter. And yet God adorns them so radiantly. How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith, you who have no trust? So do not consume yourselves with questions. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Outsiders make themselves frantic over such questions. They don't realize that your heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you too. So do not worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Living faithfully is a large enough task for today. His instructions aren't impossible to keep, 
It is just that we have complicated the fundamentals of his teachings because we have insisted on living life our way. We have forgotten or simply do not wish to comply with simple suggestions like give and it will be given to you or love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Not complicated, but also not easy. And this is often where we miss the greater blessings. It is in seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is righteousness? Or quite simply, it is right living. When we seek God, his ways and we live right, he promises and he will never go back on that word that all of the things we desire will be given to us. If this is true, and we live right and according to his ways, then anxiety and fretfulness about the future, about food supplies and financial security, could fade away, and instead our hearts be filled with joy, peace, love, and all the fruit of the Spirit, just as he said. Jesus spent three years teaching his disciples many different principles. They also saw many miracles and events that would capture the attention of any modern-day man with all of our dazzling technologies. Yet in spite of all they saw and experienced, they asked Jesus one thing. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Why? because they would have known beyond doubt that the miracles they saw Jesus perform came out of a time of deep prayer and much solitude. This time we have of separation and isolation is indeed a gift. It is a display of God's kindest mercy on man. It is time to withdraw from the draining demands of everyday life in a pacey world that makes even the calmest person's mind spin. This time of quiet and this divine pause is time to reflect and reframe our thinking and examine our own hearts. For out of your heart flows all of the issues of your life. The what next is up to you and it is up to me. When Jesus responded to the disciples' request to be taught to pray, He gave them an eternal life lesson. This is what he said. Our Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the King who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. And that's out of Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 to 13 from the Passion Translation. May the glory of your name be the centre on which our lives turn. Well, let's just reflect on that for a moment. How many people can honestly say that God is indeed the centre of their lives, the centre on which their lives turn? 
We force God out of our schools, governments, out of our daily agendas and structures, and still we wonder why the world is in such a mess. Jesus taught us to pray that the kingdom of God would manifest on earth as it is in heaven. But the only way that it can manifest is through his people. For whatever God's reasons are, he chose to fulfill his purposes and to work through you and me, as flawed as we may be. And if we don't make ourselves available to him, this prayer will never be answered. It is because people insist on doing their own thing their way that we don't see heaven's reality on earth. The attributes of kindness, generosity, love, peace and joy, etc. But rather we experience wars, famine, plagues, hatred, domestic violence, child and woman abuse. We can hardly ask why the world is so polluted with godlessness. We ask him to provide but very few give generously, sincerely, and in faith. And it's not only about giving money, but it's giving of your time, your talents, and your treasures. Having mercy on the weak, the poor, the orphans, and the widows. Usually, we are so busy rushing through life that we close our car windows, turn the other way, pretend we don't see their signs asking for help, and we harden our hearts to those in need thinking, well, somebody else can help them. I witnessed such an example, an ugly but clear example of this some time back in my local area where I do my shopping. The most kind and gentle car guard who always has a smile as bright as the sunshine and has a word of kindness to say to everyone who he helps unpack shopping into their cars. He happened to bear the arrogance of a fool who flicked him a small, meaningless coin, but he deliberately threw it away from him so that the car guard would have to run after it. The clown of a man thought it was hilarious. The car guard nevertheless picked it up and still said thank you. How can that prideful man expect great blessings in his life? Even if he prays for it, he cannot hope to get it. He cannot wonder why he may have strife and turmoil that affects his life negatively. What we sow, we will reap. Nothing more, nothing less. Jesus said it, and that settles it. Jesus also taught us to forgive, to forgive the wrongs that we have done. And we have to ourselves release that forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Hmm... This is a tough one, yet it is, in fact, the pivotal point of our salvation. Yet when we've been hurt, we want to feel justified, we want revenge, we secretly rejoice when our enemies or those we envy fall or fail. Yet forgiveness is the only linchpin that secures our eternity. This time of Jesus' death and resurrection that Christians remember the world over is based on a cross, a cross of forgiveness. Just as we have received the forgiveness of a saviour through the shedding of his blood, the blood of the lamb, the very prophetic action that the Israelites did when they put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts so that the angel of death would pass over, so we too have forgiveness through the shed blood of the lamb of God, 
the Son of God himself. How can we but not forgive what others have done to us, no matter how wrong it may have been? For more on living in the power of forgiveness, do read about more of it in the details in my book, Standing Tall in a Falling World, and What in the World Are You Waiting For? You can read more on the power of living in forgiveness in my book, Standing Tall in a Falling World, and What in the World Are You Waiting For? As we are in the week of Easter or Passover, let us be reminded of how God rescued his people from tribulation. There were 10 plagues that hit the most powerful empire in the world at that time. They were affluent, indulgent, cruel, hedonistic, godless, idol-worshipping, and wealthier than any other nation on earth. But God heard his people's cry for help. God will never lose a battle, and he will never see his people defeated unless they deliberately turn from him, and he will always be your mighty defender. But we do have to make the choice to turn away from wrong living. It is interesting to note in the book of Chronicles, chapter 2, verse 14, that God gives very clear instruction to those who are called by his name. He says this, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. God is talking to his people. He's not talking to unbelievers, foreigners, or those who are ignorant of God. He is talking to his people who are required to turn from their wicked ways. It's quite a wake-up call. That's a trigger thought in this tyrant of a virus. What is it that we need to turn from and turn back to him so that we will be forgiven and our land will be healed? For God is the king who rules with power and glory forever and ever. Amen. One thing for certain is we can know what is next. God gave us the Bible that is the definitive manufacturer's handbook. That if you follow the instructions, which by the way are designed for your good and to give you a great future, you can create the future with him that you desire to live into. So thank you so much for joining on my podcast today. And may you ask yourself every day, if I am alive for such a time as this, what can I do to bring a greater contribution to my world? Do join me again next week for episode three. From me, Angelique Dutoy, may God bless you and keep you. May God make his face to shine upon you and give you his peace.